0: So we're, we're continuing on in our uh, series tonight, uh, Being Human, and uh, we're, tonight we're looking at the subject of work, and uh, we're, looking at, uh, doing, we're looking at this in the context then, of course, of our prayer for revival over these hundred days, and in the month of February, we're, we're praying for renewal and revival in, in our city. So we want to look tonight at how we can best approach our work to enable God to use us better to usher in that great awakening that we're we're longing for and praying for in our city. So as we come to God's Word, uh, let us pray our prayer for awakening again. Let us come before God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, once more we pray for a great awakening in our souls, our city, and our land. May your people be awakened in prayer for the sake of our nation. We ask you to awaken our souls in confession of sin and repentance by your Spirit and your Word, to your mission and call. Father, we pray for an awakening in this great city of Belfast, that it would experience widespread revival in the name of Christ. And now, Lord, would you speak to us, show us how we can best live our whole lives for you in response to your great love for us. As we've been singing, what could be said, what could be sung, So such a wonderful king, such a wonderful friend for the things that you have done for us. So Lord, we ask that you would speak for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to, to turn to Colossians, we're going to read from Paul's letter, uh, we're just going to read a couple of, of verses from Colossians at this stage. So it's uh, Colossians chapter 3, uh, and it's on page 1184 of the Church Bibles, or you may um, have it on your phone, or the words will be on the screen. We're reading just a couple of verses uh, at, at, at this stage in the service, but we'll be, we'll be dipping into other passages uh, in Scripture as we go through uh, the, the, the talk tonight. So, uh, but these are some great verses Great verses to start with. Um, so Paul talks just a little explanation here. Paul talks here. He starts off by addressing slaves and masters, and it's worth noting that that the relationship between slaves and masters in those days was a lot more positive than the sort of image that we conjure up in our own minds when we think of those words. And it's probably better, more helpful for us to think about uh, the likes of employees. Think along the lines of employees and employers uh, in our contemporary context. So we're reading from Colossians. at chapter chapter 3, 22-24. And Paul writes this, and he's under the inspiration of God's Spirit as he writes, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Working for the Lord not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Amen. Amen. Well, work, I don't know what you think about work, but the English writer Jerome K. Jerome is famously quoted as saying, I like work. It fascinates me. I can sit and look at it for hours. So I don't know what you think about work, but Jerome K. Jerome, and that's quite a name that Jerome, Mr. Jerome has, isn't it? Um, But he says, I I like work. It fascinates me. I can watch it for hours. And however we're fixed, uh, Jerome K. Jerome might have had that luxury. He might have had that luxury of sitting looking at it. But according to a recent survey in the independent newspaper, the average person in the UK, in the course of our lives, we will spend nearly 90,000 hours, 90,000 hours actually working. We will spend somewhere between 40 and 50% of our waking hours working. And when it's looking at this subject here tonight, we also understand that work is not automatically a, a, the same as a job. There are different types of work which we do, which we, which we don't get paid for, perhaps caring for someone, uh, raising a family, um, doing some voluntary work in some capacity, uh, all vital and important work. But, so we're not automatically equating uh, work with a job. But needless to say, most of us uh, also either have worked, currently are working, or will at some point work in a workplace-type environment. So I wonder, with with the likelihood of spending 90,000 hours there, well, let me ask you, what's your theology of work? How much thought have we given to something that we spend so much of our lives doing? And And, and with given such a big part of our lives and the the workplace, we thought, well, it would be a good idea to spend some time thinking of this, developing a little bit of a theological framework for it. And, you know, in so doing, the importance of this has really grown on me as I've been looking at this over the last few weeks. But in so doing, I I believe as we take a biblical approach to our work, then God really will use our work to, to have a much greater impact to have a much bigger impact into our city, to bring about that great awakening that in Belfast we're praying for. And I guess tonight as we think about this, we can hang our thoughts around two questions. Why and how? Why and how? Why do we work and how do we approach the work that we do? So let's start with the why. Why Why do you work? Why do we work? Why do you do the job that you do? And I guess some of you may respond, well I just need the money. I just need the money. I, I, I need to pay the rent, to pay the mortgage, to put food on the table, to put clothes on my back, to, to, to send the children to, to school or to college, uh, to pay off the debts that I have. I just need the money. That's why I work. It's simple as that. Others might say, well actually I enjoy it. I enjoy my work. I love what I do. I, I'm in the zone when I'm doing it. I love the people that I'm working with. I love the place where I work. Others might say, well, it gives me a reason to get up out of bed in the mornings. You know, I have to be doing something. Other people might say, well, the job that I'm in, it's, it's not really the one that I want to stay in. It's, I'm thinking more career development at the minute, and I'm doing what I'm doing as a step into the job that I really want to do. But, but for many of us, it's, it's integral. When you think about it, it's integral to who we are, to our whole identity It's tied up in what we do. See, I find as I travel around, as I visit, as I meet with people, uh, the first question that I'm asked as I bump into new people is, is my name. The first question that people ask is, what's your name? And the second question, is that the question that they often ask is, and what do you do? And what do you do? What we do is almost equivalent to who we are. It's so bound up in our identity. It almost becomes our identity. And of course, when people ask me, My name, that's easy. You know, I just tell them I'm Gary. But when they ask me what you do, well, then then when I say I'm a Presbyterian minister, well, there's a conversation stopper right there. And they usually have a phone call to make or a bus to catch or somebody much more interesting to, to have a chat with, you see. But sometimes people are a bit more kind to me than that, to be honest. And it's interesting the sort of conversations that do open up. But it's interesting that the question, the question of what we do is second only quite often to our name. So bound up in our identity. But, but let me ask you, I wonder would you work if you didn't have to? Now there's a good question, isn't it? I wonder would you work if you didn't have to? You see I have a mentor, an older minister and I meet with up, him, up with him from time to time and, uh, and one time he asked me, he said Gary, what would you do if you didn't have to do what you're doing? And I answered and I hope I answered, I hope I answered honestly and I said, if I didn't have to do what I'm doing now I would do what I'm doing now. And I hope I was being honest with him. You might have heard of the musician Dr. Hook Dr. Hook in the Medicine Show Anybody? I was checking. Alistair knows of them. Alistair? There's, uh, there's a few hands going up. Okay. Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show, Dr. Hook. Sylvia's mother, when you're in love with a beautiful woman, queen of a silver dollar. <laughs> now the penny's dropping, yeah? And uh, anyway, anyway, Dr. Hook has one song called Millionaire. Millionaire. And then he says, I can't sing like Elvis Presley. I can't dance like Fred Astaire. But there's one thing in my favor. I'm a Millionaire. And then he goes on, he says, and I got more money than a horse has hairs because my rich old uncle died and answered all my prayers. (laughs) So let's for a moment imagine that your rich old uncle died. It's probably not something you should spend too much time in the prayers one praying for. Okay. But let's say your rich old uncle died and you left a million pounds. Well, would you still work? And some people would answer me and they would say, don't be daft, Gary. Of course I wouldn't. But other people would say, well, actually, yes. Yes, I would. And you know, there are probably people in this room tonight who are still working and don't actually really have to be. You could have retired or stopped working, but you've chosen not to. Why is it that some of us keep working on even after we could have retired and we don't? For instance, my own dad, he was, he was a roof slater and he, he loved his job and he loved that it was helping people. And, but it was more than a job, it was a hobby, it was his life. He, 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 dad never had a rich old uncle and he never had a million pounds. But he could have stopped working. He could have retired, but he didn't. He enjoyed his job so much that he just kept on doing it and he worked long after he had to. and In fact, until he was physically not able to get on the ladder. And, and then he did things that he could do on the ground. And then we couldn't do them. He still was very happy and willing and wanting to share his experience and his wisdom and his knowledge. There are plenty of people who could, who could have retired long ago, but they keep on working. So, so is it just an insatiable appetite for more and more and more money? Or is it something a little bit more honorable than that, Perhaps. For some people, there's something more than necessity that drives them on, isn't there? We probably, we may be, or we may may know some of those people. And I want to suggest tonight that it's because it's something inside us, the way that God has made us, the way we're hardwired, it's what we're made for. We were created to work. God made us to work, and it's a good thing to do. And you see, now, there are some jobs, of course, that are not good jobs to be doing, and we all generally want to avoid. But generally speaking, work fulfills a God-given need in our lives. And work is a good thing. And we go through different seasons in our lives, but, and the sort of work that we do will change with those different seasons in our lives. As a child, I, I had a paper around delivering newspapers. And as I got into my teens during the, the school holidays, I worked on a farm helping with the milking of the, of the cows in the summer. And during holidays, then I when I left school, I worked in a supermarket packing shelves, and then I worked as a roof slater with a family, and then I worked in a hostel, and, and now I'm working for the church. I've had quite a variety of jobs, and as I've journeyed through different seasons in my life, and in fact, I was, I was probably in my 40s before I actually worked out what I wanted to do when I grew up. <laughs> Friends of mine were retiring whenever I was getting into university and stuff like that, but. But I'm thankful for the education and the training and the opportunities that that I've had and been able to take and that are available to us in a way that just weren't available in in the past. So we go through different seasons, different types of of, of work in the course of our lives. But as we talk about work generally and as we seek to move towards a biblical approach, I think there are a couple of things that, that the Lord really wants to show us tonight from Scripture on this subject. Firstly, we see that God works. God works. Genesis makes that very clear. Following on from the account of the creation in chapter 1, it goes on in chapter 2. By the seventh day, God, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Here in these two verses, the word work appears three times. God is a worker. God is always at work in creation, now in recreation, in, in, in working to redeem and to save and to draw to himself people. We had our 24-7 prayer space this week, and many of you were praying, praying for God to be at work in our city. Praying for God to be at work in our city this week, and he was. He was. Let me tell you just one story of how God was at work in our city this week. So in the course of, of my work this week, I got to, to visit an elderly lady, and she's a lady, she's in her, her 90s. And uh, I got chatting, and she was happy to chat for a while, and uh, we got chatting about, about you know where, where she was married and what church, different churches she'd gone to, and she'd gone to churches all her life. And I, I, I asked her then, you know, did you become a Christian when you were a child? Um, and she said to me, no, I, I've never actually become a Christian. But she said, but I would like to. And I said, well, you can become a Christian anytime. And she said, well, could we do it now while you're here before you go? I was like, wow. Yeah, I'd love to. And and so I have my Bible with me and, and I just explained. I said, let me just put the gospel in a nutshell. And she'd been coming to churches for years. But she just had never made that decision. But I wanted to leave her just a few verses that she could remember. And I put the, the, the gospel in a nutshell and I had a little why Jesus with me and we turned to the prayer in there. And she prayed that prayer and she accepted Christ and she has eternal life as a child of God. I went back to visit her later in the evening took her something else to, you know, for to help her in her journey and it's wonderful. God is at work. God is at work because God is a worker and he's answering your prayers. God is a worker. God's at work. And see, we see throughout the Bible as God reveals himself to us. He likens himself to a worker. He likens himself to an artist, an architect, a builder, a gardener, a vine dresser, a soldier, a shepherd, a king, a judge, a potter, a teacher. You know, so many ways that God likens himself to a worker. We start to look at them and there's this list, and it just keeps growing. The images of God are one of him working. God is a worker, and work is what he does. And we are made in God's image. We are made in God's image. Genesis 1, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. You see, we see from the very beginning of the story that that was God's original purpose for us. When God made Adam, it tells us in Genesis chapter 2, it tells us that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to to work it and to take care of it. And then along came Eve into the garden and Adam and Eve are, well, you know, they're gardeners, they're farmers, they're wildlife officers. They're there to co-create, to to cultivate, to nurture, to watch over, to work. To work. And that's our calling as well, to create, to cultivate, to to nurture, to watch over, to work, to become more fully human, fulfilling our purpose, and to become more like God as we increasingly reflect His nature. And so neither is it surprising then that most of the people that we meet in the Bible, most of the people through whom God is ushering in, in His kingdom, they are people with ordinary everyday secular jobs. Here's some of them, shepherds, artists, bakers, builders, soldiers, tent makers. Paul was a tent maker. And when God shows up in human form, he doesn't appear in the form of a holy man. He doesn't make a grand entrance as a priest or a prophet or a rabbi. No, he comes as a carpenter, the son of a carpenter. And, of course, we've all seen that little bumper sticker, haven't we, that says, Carpenter from Nazareth seeks joiners. <laughs> and that's a bit cheesy, isn't it? But all those who joined Jesus, they too are all have ordinary secular jobs. Fishermen, tax collectors. There was even a thief. Career criminal. Not that I'm recommending. <laughs> Not that I'm recommending that particular job. But it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And the vast majority of of Jesus' recorded public appearances, they're in places where the ordinary, secular, everyday work of the day was going on. Jesus makes around 130 recorded public appearances, and 120 of those are in the marketplace. And parables, when Jesus told a parable, he told 52 parables, 45 of those are set in the marketplace, in the workplace of the day. So that's the why question. Why do we work? We work because God works, because we are made in His image. So we too work. That's what we were part of. What we are created for. It's at the very core of what we're made for. And the second question, and a bit more briefly, is: I want to ask tonight is how do we work? How do we approach our work? And, and here I think it's really helpful to look at the Hebrew word used in the Bible for work, and I think that this is quite a revelation. The word is avodah, work. You see, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and the word avodah is the Hebrew word for work. But wait for it, because it is also the Hebrew word for worship and for service. Interesting, isn't it? The exact same word for work, worship, and service. And we find this word appearing over 800 times 800 times in the Old Testament alone. And this idea that work and worship are so closely linked that the, the same word could be used to describe both, I think, this can revolutionize. This can revolutionize our work and how we go about it. Because, you see, we have often thought that work and worship were two different things, haven't we? You know, we worship in here on a Sunday and we work out there during the rest of the week. But actually, the Bible would say, no, the Bible would say, we avodah in here on a Sunday. And we avodah out there for the rest of the week. And I think that it's really important that we get this. These are not two different things as we would often understand them. And the root of avodah is is the, the Hebrew word aved, which means to serve. Both are acts of aved, both are acts of service, one toward God and one towards neighbor, as we seek to fulfill those two great commands, that brace of commands to love God and to love our neighbor. And We see these three different aspects, these different aspects of of this word in three passages of Scripture. Let me just briefly, quickly give you those now. In Exodus 34, as Moses restates the Ten Commandments, he says, Six days you shall avodah, work. But on the seventh day you shall rest. So that's work. Then in Exodus 8 and verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says Let my people go so that they may Avodah, worship me. That's worship. And then in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12, What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to Avodah, to serve him? Serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That's service. We see here in these passages that very clearly the notion of work and worship and service all being the one and the same thing. And of course then moving into the New Testament, Paul picks up this concept because Paul is steeped in the Jewish knowledge Uh, and wisdom, and he picks up this concept of this great interconnectedness of worship and work and and in serving in that passage that we started uh, from his letter in Colossians that we started with uh, a few minutes ago, when he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving, he says. Paul says, whatever you do, do it all as unto the Lord. There's no difference between working for men and worshiping the Lord. It's one and the same thing. There's no separation or dichotomy between work and worship. They're both acts of serving our God and our neighbor. As we serve, we are both working and worshiping. And so what we do 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, is as much an act of worship as what we do here for an hour or two on a Sunday. And that's a wonderful thing. That's a beautiful thing. A beautiful way of giving the utmost importance to what we do in our workplace. So with this in mind, with this in mind, how do we, with this approach, our workplace, well, it becomes our temple. It becomes for us a temple of the Lord. And what we do there is our worship. So how can we make our place of work a temple? How can we make our workplace our worship place? How can we make our work our worship. Well I know of one Christian lady and she's a midwife and I heard her share her story and she, what she shared with us was that as she professionally carries out her duties in the hospital as, as this midwife delivers each new little life into the world aware of God's presence always with her she prays a silent prayer for the child and in that prayer she claims the child for the Lord and she prays the ironic blessing over him or her. You see, for this midwife, through her loving care and a simple prayer, the maternity ward becomes a temple. Her workplace becomes her worship place, and her work is her worship, an act of service to both God and her neighbor. It's just a beautiful idea, isn't it? And I know of someone else, a Christian landscape gardener, and he works in gardens and he works in fields and he plants trees and he plants lots of trees. And every time he plants a tree, he plants it with a prayer. In Isaiah 55, speaking of how all creation praises the Lord, it says, The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. It's just this wonderful picture, this wonderful image of the whole of creation worshipping the Creator. And as this landscape gardener plants each tree, he prays that as it grows, it will bring glory to God. That it will clap its hands, that its branches will move in praise and join in that whole creation. Praise to the Creator. You see, as he plants his trees with a prayer, so the garden, the field becomes his temple. His workplace becomes his worship place. And his work becomes his worship So just as I finish, just as I finish, bearing in mind that biblically speaking, worship and work and service are one and the same thing, let me ask us all a question. How can we, how can we, like the midwife and the gardener, how can we endeavor to ensure that every day of the week our place of work is our temple, our workplace is our worship place, and our work is our worship We may take some inspiration from those two stories that I've told. Perhaps we may want to simply have an increased awareness of God's presence always with us. Perhaps a more caring, professional approach. Perhaps a simple prayer or Bible verse silently or proclaimed aloud, whichever is appropriate. What about opening our diaries and praying over the appointments that we have for that day? Praying for the people that we will meet throughout the course of the day? As we prepare, praying for and pr- as we prepare, praying for our work as we do it. Although we may want to keep our eyes open as we pray for our work as we do it, particularly if we're an architect or a taxi driver. But what about a simple dedication or blessing over a finished or a delivered job? Folks, as we go back again out into our Monday to Friday. Let us always remember that our place of work is our temple, that our workplace is our worship place, and that our work is our worship, because quite simply, that's the way the Lord sees it. Shall we pray together for a moment? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we pray for a great awakening in our city so we also acknowledge the place of work in helping bringing renewal and revival to our city. As we approach our everyday work in a biblical way so you use our work to usher in your kingdom. May we always remember that in your eyes, Avodah, work, worship, service are one and the same thing. And in your presence now and in the silence of our own hearts, Father, would you just speak to us and show us now some way or ways that we can make our place of work our temple, our workplace, our worship place, and our work our worship. Heavenly Father, as we continue thinking thinking on these things and responding, But we acknowledge that we will soon leave this place. So please continue to be at work in our souls, in our city and in our land until that glorious day when all creation shall serve and work and worship you alone in the unity of the Spirit for your glory and praise and in Jesus' precious name. Amen.